Tom was coming and speaking at our men's retreats, uh, and, and what an amazing teacher he is. And he taught on this, this passage, the passage of the talents. You know the story, right? A parable that Jesus taught. He, he taught on that, Tom did, and it, it changed the way I approached everyday life. And I've just lived with this for the longest, and, and God gave me something actually a couple of weeks ago, maybe even longer now, and I've been sitting on it, not knowing what he wanted me to do. I, I shared it with Dwayne on a couple of occasions, and I just want to talk about it. So find Matthew 25. While you're finding it, let me ask you a question. What if you knew now, or what if you knew then what you know now? What if you knew then what you know now? When, when now's wisdom would have come in so handy prior to right now, we all have those moments. Wouldn't it have been so helpful in 1980 knowing what we know now about this little startup in the Silicon Valley called Apple Computers? Bless God. Would you, have, would you have eaten differently when you were younger if you knew what the doctor said to you now? <laughs> That's the biggest amen I think I've ever got. You know, maybe, maybe fried everything wouldn't have been one of the food groups. I don't know. I don't know what your doctor's telling you, but would you go back and would you change your hairstyle? Would you change anything about your wardrobe? No, I ain't even looking at you because I won't be able to do it without laughing. Here, here's the beauty of it. Mine hasn't changed since I was in junior high, so I got that going for me. <laughs> T-shirts never out of style, do they? You know, they, they, they tell us that hindsight is 2020. And I've just been thinking about this and thinking about this. You and I have the miracle of God's word. Amen. The, the very breath of God. We have this miracle of God's word, and what we're going to see today in this parable that Jesus taught, and what we're going to see in other passages in his word, is that the future for us is just as clear as the past. We just have to embrace it, and we've got to walk in it. Amen. I've been talking about this subject of greater. It's just been on my heart. I think, and, and, and this is not me wagging my finger, this ain't me telling everything I think is wrong. I'm not that guy. But I do think many people dream too small. I really do. I think the church dreams too small, the church overall. We, we have so many factors that come into play when we're trying to, to go forward. And, and can we just be totally transparent? Almost every decision we make, especially as Americans, it all boils down to our bank account, doesn't it? And, and I'm, not, I'm not here to preach on money. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just trying to examine my own life, and you guys are just along for the ride. Pastor Dwayne and I, we always joke with each other. When, when we preach, you've got to understand that we've, we've God's wrestled us to the ground, and we've come up limping every time we get before you guys. So what I'm going to talk to you about is something God's just bending me over backwards on. Greater. A couple of weeks ago when I first kind of introduced this, I said this. It was our key thought that week. I said, you have no idea what God may produce through a single seed planted in faith. Do we believe that? Okay. Thank you. You have no idea. I'm not going to pull it out of you, but I'm going to try. You have no idea, I have no idea what God may produce through a single seed planted in faith. Now today, I want us to broaden our scope. See, a couple of weeks ago we talked about God's end of the deal, so to speak. That if we'll just be faithful and planting the seeds in faith, he brings the increase, yes? I mean, he brings it. And we have no idea what he's going to do. But his word is his word, so we kind of got an idea. So when we say things like, I wish I knew then what I knew now, when it comes to our walk with Jesus, we know. We know what we should do now. We know what we should do going forward. 
He literally takes the guesswork out of it. Amen? Amen. Today, I want us to kind of try to get our mind around our end of the deal, if you will, our responsibility. If we have no idea what God wants to do and what he will produce with a single seed planted in faith, our end of the deal is this, and I'd ask you to kind of embrace this. We will miss the greater. We will miss the greater, the abundant. We will miss it when we are consumed by the temporary and not focused on the eternal. We will miss it. We will miss it every time. God will hold up his end of the deal every single time. He won't drop the ball. He won't lie to you. He won't miss a promise. He's going to get it right 100% of the time. So the ball is in our proverbial court right now. And we will miss the greater when we are consumed by the temporary and not focus on the eternal. We've been singing about heaven and coming to earth. I want us to begin living right at this moment like it is so. That's my prayer. Me, my family, you, the church down the road, our neighbor across the street, I want us to live like we believe heaven has come to earth with a kingdom mindset, with a kingdom mentality, focus on the eternal, not the temporary. Are you still with me? We can get so caught up with the things of this world that we miss the stuff that really matters in heaven. We can Guilty. I'm first in line. I get it. But we can get so caught up on it, we miss the whole thing. Paul said this in Colossians chapter 3. He said, since you have been raised to new life with Christ, pause, every believer in this house that's called on the name of Jesus has been saved, forgiven of their sins, have been reborn, regenerated, whatever your church history called it. Listen, you have been raised to new life in Christ. Amen. You are brand new. You haven't been remodeled. It's not a makeover. You are brand new. Paul said, since you've been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor. Does anybody else feel this? My God. Where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things on the earth. That's our goal today. That's where we're going. Let's go to Matthew 25. Jesus is going to teach us how to do that. There is this parable in 25 of Matthew that illustrates why an eternal focus is just imperative. It is absolutely critical if you and I want to experience the life that God has given us and called us to live. Matthew 25, it's one of the longer parables in the scripture. I'll read it for you and you'll read it with me. For your sake, we'll just read it quickly and I'll make a couple of points. I'll bring some things to the surface and we can mow on it the rest of the day. Matthew 25, if you're reading along, go to verse 14, please. And let's read 14 and 15 If you're going to read with me, say amen. Amen. Again, Jesus said, again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. Your translation may say talents. We'll talk about that in a minute. Verse 15, he gave five bags of silver to One, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last, dividing it in proportions to their abilities. He then left on his trip. Father, we bless the reading of your word. I ask you, Lord Jesus, that you would bring revelation, that you would take the blinders off of our eyes and pull the scale back from our heart, that we may see you in your word, in Jesus' name, Amen and amen. Some translations, instead of bag of silver, they're New King James, King James, and, and others. They, they use the word talents. Um, it's that Greek phrase for talent, literally translated as work, skills, ability, etc. But it's one of those words in Scripture that kind of has a double meaning because it's also a form of currency in the day that this was written. 
So it's very important to get that because it means when, when the master comes and divvies out the talents, it means he divvies out the gifts, the talents, the ability, the skills, the time, the resources, and the money. So when you think talents, when, although the translation that we're parsing out today, it, it says bags of silver. It, it means that. So it's not a contradiction, but it means so much more than that. It means everything you are, everything you have, everything you've done, everything you'll do. It can't get any clearer. With that in mind, I want to read those again quickly, and we'll continue with verse 16 through the rest of the story. Verse 14, again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted the talents, everything, gifts, talents, abilities, time, resources, money. He entrusted that with them while he was gone, and he gave five bags of silver to one, two bags to another, one bag to the last, dividing it up in proportion to their abilities, and he left on his trip. Verse 16, the servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money, and he earned five more. Somebody say amen. amen. Come on, stay with me. Verse 17, the servant with two bags of silver also went to work, and he earned two more. But the servant who received the one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground, and he hid the master's money. He hid the talents. He hid the gifts. He hid the abilities. He hid the skills. With the best of possible motive. He wasn't trying to be rebellious. But he wasn't thinking eternally. As my daddy said so many times, and he would tell me, Jeff, you got to think past the end of your nose. This man that was given one talent, he wasn't thinking past the end of his nose. He was living in now. Well, let's go on, let's go on. Verse 19, after a long time, their master returned from his trip, and he called them to give an account of how they used his money, and the servant to whom he had entrusted the five bags of silver came forward with five more bags, and he said, Master, you gave me five to invest. I've earned five more. The master, can you just imagine this? This is Jesus telling a story about Jesus. And he said, the master then was full of praise. Wait, what? You ever think about that? Now, this is key to what I'm talking about. The master applauded the servant. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in handling a small amount. I'll give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together, Jesus is saying. Let's celebrate together. There ain't no party like a Jesus-sized party. Can we be honest? I don't know. I don't know. I've been to a couple. The servant who had received the two bags of silver came forward and said, Master, you gave me two. I invested it. I got two more. The master said, well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in handling this small amount. So now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together because it ain't about the amount. 24. Then the servant with the one bag of silver said, master, how you doing? Yeah. I kind of see now how it was supposed to go. So you gave me one. But I know you was a harsh man, harvesting crops you didn't plant, gathering crops you didn't cultivate. And I was afraid I'd lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. Look, 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 here's your money back. I didn't keep nothing. No, I'm giving it all back to you. But the master replied, you wicked and lazy servant, if you knew I harvested crops I didn't plant and gathered crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. Amen. This is how much the stewardship of our whole life matters to God. This story is why it's so important that you and I are all in and all of our life is given back to Jesus. 
And the biggest aha moment for me in this parable really doesn't even happen in the parable. And you know this story, so don't let the familiarity of it, you know, detour you at all. The biggest aha moment for me in this story is the reason Jesus told the story to begin with. Please get this. Most of us have heard it, we're familiar with it, but you might not be aware of why Jesus told it. The reason he told it is found in the same chapter, but in verse 1, and even in our text. The Bible says, Jesus said, then the kingdom of heaven will be like dot, dot, dot. So he's getting ready to talk to the people that follow him, you, me, his disciples of old, and he's going to try to explain through this beautiful object lesson, if you will. He wants to give a parable. And he's trying to explain that the kingdom of heaven is like this and this and this. I want to live like the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Amen. I know you do too. Now, remember the question we started with. What if we knew then what we know now? What is Jesus doing in this story? What's he doing in this parable? He's giving you and I insider information on how to be successful and live greater now. That's what he's doing. He's giving you information that if we will apply it, we will begin to reap a harvest that we can't contain. Somebody say amen. Well, well, he, he wants to illustrate to us how now impacts eternity but in a greater way in a greater way he's given you the blueprint he's given me the blueprint of how the economy of heaven works amen so i think we need to learn it and if you already know it i'm just here to remind you and remind myself but let's look at it so jeff how do we live with an eternal focus based on this? Based on what Jesus just taught us, how do we live with an eternal focus based on this story that Jesus just told? Glad you asked. Number one, if you're taking notes, we must understand and accept. Everybody say understand, understand. and accept. Those are two different things. Because we can say we get it, but we have to accept it. And when you accept it, now you got to do it. So my question really ain't even do you understand it? Because I, I, I know you do. I want us to go a little deeper, a little harder. We got to understand and accept that God owns everything. Forget about it. Story over. God owns everything. Can we just be honest today? This is a challenge for all of us. Now, you may be farther along than you were 10 years ago, but at some level, at, listen, Jesus talks about this a lot. Jesus wouldn't have had to talk about it a lot if this wasn't a big deal. And we struggle with understanding and accepting that God owns everything, everything. Our earth-focused mindset, let's see, don't raise your hand, don't elbow anybody, but our earth-focused mindset our temporary focused mindset is I've worked hard for this. You ever said that? And, and what I hope you don't hear is me contradicting that because I'm sure you do. But, but can I say you didn't get what you got because you worked hard? I know a lot of people that work hard and don't have what you have, don't have what I have. Our earth-focused mindset is I worked hard for this. How about this? I earned this. Man, this is hard. I've saved everything for this. How were you even able to save everything if the provision wouldn't keep coming? And, and the one that, honestly, I've never had anybody say this out loud to me. 
because it just flies in the face of humility. I deserve this. You and I have to understand and accept that with a kingdom mindset, God owns everything. Everything. I love in Matthew 25, 14, the kingdom of heaven, can, he, he says it again, the kingdom of heaven is like a story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants, look at this, and entrusted, next word, his. We know that because we've read it dozens of times. But do you see what Jesus is saying? The illustration is he's the master. And he's coming and he's giving you everything you have, but it's his. The kingdom of heaven is illustrated like a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. It was the property of the master. It had always been the property of the master. It will always be the property of the master. He didn't give that to them and they now took ownership of it. No, he gave it to them to steward, to manage, to be smart with, to, 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 to literally ask the question that was asked so much in the 90s that we got tired of hearing it. What would Jesus do? What would Jesus do? What would Jesus do? This mindset is so important. And it's so much more important to our life than we realize that God created us to be like his son Jesus. We've got to understand and accept that it's his he created you. He created me to be open-handed. He created you and he created me to manage everything he's given you. Time, abilities, gifts, skills, money, you, the breath in your lungs, whatever it is, the life that you live, it's God's. Amen. And if you actually buy into the lie that what you have is yours, it is impossible for you to live heavenly-minded. It's impossible. Because you cannot, you cannot live close-handed. You cannot live like any of this is yours if you want to live with your mindset on eternity. You can't. It's impossible. We close down. We start thinking we, that we're owed something, that what we have we earned or we deserve. And we got what we got because Jesus gave it to us. Because it's his. But when the moment you say, hold on, when the light bulb comes on and you say, wait a minute, everything belongs to God. I'm a steward, not an owner. I'm a manager of it. I'm not an owner. Then listen, living a life of open-handedness is easy because it's not mine. It's not mine. And I believe, and I believe this with my heart. I don't think it. I believe it. I believe that this is the reason, not a reason, but it's the reason that God calls us to honor him with the tithe or the 10% of everything off the top because it's his. I believe it. Listen, it, it forces us to change the way we think about stuff. It's not mine. Listen, let me, let me, let me, let me just knock all the edges off of this. Being faithful with everything you have, and I mean everything, it's a declaration of God's ownership. You can't say God owns it all and then hold some back. You can't say, I can't say God owns it all and it's all his and he gave me everything and then bury this talent over here and hold this ability back over here and keep this skill away from everybody else and not make the phone call and not speak to somebody and not put a hand out. You can't do that. That is not even feasible. It's not. It's... I, I, Every time we honor God with everything in our life off the top, we are declaring his ownership. I love Leviticus chapter 27, verse 30. One-tenth, the Bible said, one-tenth, that's the tithe, of the produce of the land, whether grain from the fields, fruit of the trees, belongs to the Lord and must be set apart to him as, say it, holy. Why? Because he owns it. He owns everything. 
Every time we get paid, every time we get something, every time we open our eyes, when the sun comes up in the morning, we have opportunity to remind ourselves that everything I have is God's, and I'm going to honor Him with it from beginning to end. When the sun comes up, when the sun goes down, while I'm eating, while I'm going out, while I'm coming in, while I'm talking to somebody, while I'm hanging out, when I'm joking, if I'm working, if I'm striving, if I'm sweating, if I'm bleeding, it doesn't matter. It's all God's. It's all God's. And we will not embrace the greater that he has for us as long as we live in the now in the temporary without a kingdom mindset somebody say amen god help me with it can i say i've struggled with this in the past being honest with you i can't preach it and not be honest i've struggled with possessiveness of my time especially i even struggled with possessiveness of my stuff struggled with possessiveness of my heart Possessiveness of my trust. <laughs> Possessiveness with my friendship. So I get it. Man, do I get it. I get it. But I remember when I was really trying to just go all in for the Lord. And I'm like, God, I need a personal mission statement, man. I need a personal mission statement for me. I need a personal mission statement for my family. What, what does it mean? What does it mean to, and this is my story, so you fill in your blanks, but what does it mean to be a Burke? What's it mean to be a Burke and follow the Lord? I, I wrestled with this kind of stuff. What's it mean? And there's a Bible verse that defined it for me then, and it still does to this day. So as long as I'm going to be here, this defines what it means for me. Paul wrote in Romans chapter 11, verse 36, For everything comes from Him and exists by His power and is intended for His glory. Everything. Everything. Everything comes from him, exists by his power, as intended for his glory. Paul couldn't contain it. All glory to him forever. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Miss Kim and I, our life's not our own. It's God's. Our marriage is not ours. It's God's. I hope you're hearing me. Our story, what God's done in our marriage and our life, it's not, it's not ours to keep the lid on it. It's not ours to protect. It's not, it's God's. Everything about us, it's God's. It's God's story of redemption. It's God's story of healing. It's God's story of being faithful. Because anybody hearing me today, well, are we the only ones? Or, or is your marriage, you just top notch all the way from beginning to end? Yeah, I can tell by the elbows and the giggles that's not the case. So let me ask you this question, and I really, I want this to, I really want it to get in. What would be different about your life? I've answered it. What will be different about your life if you actually believed and accepted that God owns everything? If anything comes to mind, you've been given an opportunity today to make that right. And I couldn't be more excited for you. How would your life be different if we believed and accepted that God owns everything? Now remember what we're talking about. Jesus has given us insight. Real-time insight. What if we knew then what we know now? He's given us insight about how life on earth greatly impacts heaven. So what do we do? How do we live with an eternal focus based on the story Jesus told that we read? we got to understand and accept that God owns everything. Secondly, I'll just let you read it. Mm. How sobering is this truth? And again, I felt led... To not just say we understand it, we got to accept it. We have to understand and accept that we will give an account for our lives. 
all the talents, all the skill, the abilities, the work, the gifts, the treasure. Verse 19 of our text said, after a long time, their master returned from his trip and he called them to give an account. Give an account of how they had used his money. So he comes and he's settling the account. He wants to know what they did. And this is what I gave you. What have you done with it? I've been gone. I've not been in, in your presence, yelling at you, telling you what to do. While I've been away, what'd you do with what I gave you? First, number one, you come up here and let me talk to you. There was a face-to-face -face encounter where nothing could be hidden. And you and I need to understand and accept that one day, one day we're going to give an account. Amen. When I read this, because sometimes when I read the scripture, I read it like a victim. And when, many times when I read this, I have in my mind conversations I would have with my mama. See, this probably wasn't you because, I mean, you weren't as mischievous. But mom would... I would come in the room and mom would say, Jeff, is there anything you want to tell me? Mm. Not really, no. No, but here's the thing, and, and Miss Kimmel testified to it. My mom was psychic. I don't even know how scriptural that is in terms of my mama, but here's what I know. Jeff didn't get away, away with nothing. Could be, I just wasn't slick enough. I don't know. But mom knew everything. Mom would say, something you want to tell me? Um, I need to talk to you, but is there anything you want to lead with? This is a no-win situation. If you approach giving an account like this, it's a no-win situation. Furthermore, you will not be motivated to accept God owns everything. Because listen, if you feel you're going to lose regardless, you'll do what's best for you. And that doesn't make you bad, it makes you completely normal. And when mom would ask me that, I would think to myself, you know what, if I take the high road and I give a full account to my mom, I'll likely incriminate myself because I probably did more than she knows. Fair. But if I don't tell her and she already knows, ah, that's a snapshot of my childhood. You say, Jeff, why are you talking about it? I'm talking about it because this is not what Jesus is talking about. And I need you to get that out of the way. So it's not that. It's not a no-win situation. It's not Jesus trying to catch you. Giving an account is not what did you do wrong. That's not giving an account. That's not what Jesus is talking about. That's not even scriptural. This is not what he's talking about. And before, listen, before your mind can wander and you think I'm a heretic, the Bible says that Jesus endured the judgment on my behalf and yours. Amen. Understand that. The Bible says I'm saved by grace through faith. Amen. Amen. Not, not based on how good I'm a steward or not. We're talking about living now with an attitude of greater, with a mindset of eternity. The Bible says there's there now, for, now therefore no condemnation. Amen. Aren't you glad that's in the Bible? For those who are in Christ. But the Bible also says that you and I are going to stand before God one day. We are. I'm going to give an account. You're going to give an account. Paul wrote this to the Romans in Romans 14, verse 10. Remember, we will stand before the judgment seat of God, for the scriptures say, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bend to me, every tongue will declare allegiance to God. Yes, each of us will give a personal account to God. Who's Paul writing to? Christians. Believers, Christ followers. This is not the judgment where God separates the saved and the unsaved. The wheats from the tares. Are you feeling me yet? 
Understand this, church. Let's learn something today. That's not what this is. This is not where God judges those who have rejected him. That's not what this is. The phrase judgment seat of God comes from the Greek word bema, B-E-M-A. I'm not a Greek scholar. I just read a lot. And this word has its original beginnings in the Athenian games, later to become like what we know as the Olympics. Get this. This will change how you approach being a steward of everything God's given you. This is not when you're called out and fire falls and lightning bolts come from heaven and hit you on the head like in the movies. That's not what this is. In the day of the Athenian games, athletes would run the race. They would complete it. They would do their best at all the events. And at the end of the race, they would come up and stand at the podium at the Bema seat where the king would get up and he would have these branches made like a crown, like into wreaths. And he'd place them on their head for the race they ran. For the race they ran. The race they ran well, whether they were first or not. The king acknowledged the race run. Now, 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 now here's the challenge that we have. The reason we struggle with this idea that I'm going to stand before God one day in judgment because that thought brings the image of us standing before an angry God. That he's slamming down, slamming down the gavel and he's, he's passing that judgment declaring that I'm guilty. This is not the Bama seat of Jesus Christ. A better picture of what that moment's going to look like. Even what we read here. Did the master not say, did he not praise? Did he not applaud? Did he not say, let's get this party started? For the ones that ran. For the ones that ran. And what's so interesting is the one who had five and then the one who had less got the same praise, got the same accolades. Are you seeing it? This is not the right and wrong judgment seat. It's God, listen, it's God cheering us on. It's God affirming us. Come on, you got this. You've got this. I've given you so much. I know what this is like. You can do this. Come on. I'm proud of you for running. Run your race well. Whether I gave you five, whether I gave you two, run it like you're running it for your last time because it's all mine anyway. Here, take this wreath. I am proud of you. Good job. That's the account we're going to give. That's the account we're going to give. That's the interaction with Jesus we're going to have. Don't give up. Keep stewarding your life. Keep doing it. Keep running. Take care of everything I've given you. From the least to the greatest. He's sitting on the edge of heaven. Man, would you picture it? He's planning for how he's going to reward you. For what you've done. With what he's given you. We have to understand and accept. That we will give an account one day with the stuff that's already God's that he gave us. So how would you live differently if you believed and accepted that one day you'll stand before him? Oh, oh, not not to get condemned, but to be honored. Well, good. (laughs) Well done, my good and faithful service. Well done, well done. Good job. You were a good steward. I think it's obvious that God really cares about how we live our lives with what he's given us. And maybe you're here and you're like, yeah, I want to do that, Jeff. I, I, I want to live that life that matters for eternity. I want to do that. Where do I sign up? Tell me what to do. What class do I have to take? How can I do this? I want to impact someone else's eternity. I want to impact mine. I want to increase the kingdom of heaven. What do I need to do? What do I do? The question is, how do I do it? I want to, but what do I do? It's kind of part of the problem. It's not a series of boxes you check off. If, if you've just kind of been coming in and out for this message, I want to ask you to just zone in right here real quick and then go back to whatever it was you were doing. But I need you to hear this. Because this messed me up. 
And there's really no argument that we can give. I'm praying, God, I know people want that. I know they want to make a difference. I, I, I know miserable people that know why they're miserable. They're miserable because they don't know how to manage what it is God's given them. And I, I'm, not, I'm not denying training that needs to be done and, and study that needs to happen. I'm so not doing that. But it starts with a decision. And I'm just going to ask you, in the silence, to just read this. To become a faithful steward, you have to see yourself as a kingdom investor rather than an earthly spender. Just, just read it. Feel it. You, you can argue with God about it if you want. I'll wait. See, we've been so long, if you've been in church for long, you know, you get, you, you get hammered on how you view God. And, and I'm not saying we, we all need to adjust our sight, amen. I mean, the bigger he gets, the smaller everything else gets, amen. But when it comes to this subject, you need to change how you view you. You're not just doing time on earth. No, 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 to become a faithful steward that's all in with every area of our life, we have to change the way we view ourselves. And we have to view ourselves as a kingdom investor rather than an earthly spender. You change the very lens by which you look at your life. Kingdom investor not an earthly spending. When I felt like God really gave me that, and I was talking to Pastor Dwayne, I think a couple of days after that, and I said, I said, man, I, this, this, this moved me. This changed me. I, 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 and I said, but I don't know what to do with it. And he was encouraging and, you know, admonished me and, and I said, I just got to live with God on this for a minute. And I started to unpack it. Okay, okay, God, I, I get it. You want me to be a faithful steward? I get it. It's a matter of becoming. It's not a matter of doing. I get it. Okay, God, I'm feeling you. I got to see myself differently. Get it. Investor, spender. That's what messed me up. I understand the kingdom mindset. I understand the difference in an earthly mindset. Got it, God. Investor, spender. That's what messed with me. What is spending? Spending is nothing more than trading. Hear me. Spending is nothing more than trading. I'm trading this for that. I'm going to trade you this for that. Now, if you're smart, you want to get the best deal. And if you got a guitar you're selling cheap, let me know. We'll work something out. Spending, I heard Kim groan. Spending is nothing more than trading. You got to think about, think, I'm trading this for something. Erp. Trading. I'm giving something in exchange for something else. But to invest, you're giving something with the expectation of greater. If you're not, you're horrible at it. Amen? Amen. I, I mean, I hope, I hope that you're, I hope when you're you opening the CD or whatever the, the, in your money market that you're shooting for the best return. Um, can I have the most average return that your institution offers, please? In fact, let's go below that. Nobody does that. So we get it. We get it. We just won't use that template to lay it over our life in the spiritual. 
Spending is nothing than an exchange. You might do well a couple of times, but at the end of the day, you're going to break even. Or worse. Investing is the mindset of, I'm putting this in, oh, but here's what I know. Here's what I know. It may not be today, Dwayne, it may not be tomorrow, but something greater is going to come out of what I just deposited. Something bigger, something better, something that my mind can't even imagine. More than I can think, more than I can dream, more than I can pray. Something greater is going to come because I'm investing. I'm going to not bury it. I'm not going to put it in the ground and hope to break even. No! I don't want to give God back exactly what he gave me. I want to give him back greater than he gave me. Thank you, Jesus. To understand that you want to become a faithful steward, you have to change your mindset about you. Not about your neighbor. Not about your spouse. About you. And you want to become a kingdom investor, not an earthly spender. Is somebody feeling me today? God. Every decision I make, every hour of every day, I have to view it as an investment. No, you didn't hear me. That doesn't mean you walk around with your big family Bible with a picture of California Jesus on it, Jesus on it, and you and you walk around and you're like, quote, no, I'm not even talking about that. Every decision you make, every decision I make, every moment of every day, we're either investing or we'll trade. When I shared this with Kim for the first time, and I didn't even know what I was talking about, I ain't gonna lie to you. She probably, she's so nice. She, that, that's great, babe. <laughs> right after that, she was making dinner, and right after that, she said, oh, you know what, man, we need some cheese, and we need some this. Oh, I'll go get it. She said, so you go in the store, you spending your time at the store or investing your time at the store? Well, Part of it is spending because I'm exchanging this for some kill a mook sharp cheddar. But, but there's also an investment involved. I'm driving to Kroger thinking about that. And I'm like, okay, all right, I got this. God, I want, to, I want this to be an investment. I, I got home, I told Kim, I didn't get to the door. Hey, Jeff. Hey, Jeff, um, hey, my grandma, man, she's, she's having some work on her heart. Okay. I'm just kind of scared. Okay, bro. Little young dude prayed with him. I'm like, God, I, I get it. I get it. Put my AirPods in. Fur, 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 fur. I hear somebody calling my name. I'm like, what the? Can I just go to Kroger? And I'm like, well, no, God, I get it. No, I get it, God. I get it. I get it. No, 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 I get it. I'm not going to be possessive of my time. I get it. I'm coming here to do something. I get it. I've had my orders. Kim's told me what to get. I got the list. But it's also an investment. And when you approach life like that, being a five-talent dude ain't that hard. And I'm not saying I get it right. I'm not saying I was a five-talent dude. I'm saying walking with that mindset, being intentional, is not that hard. If we understand and accept that God owns everything, and if we understand and accept that one day I'm going to stand before him and give an account for what it is he gave me. You can spend time. You can invest time. You can spend money, you can invest money. You can spend your talent, you can invest your talent. God has given us the choice. Parents, let me ask you something. And I ain't, I ain't picking on you about nothing. How many of you, don't raise your hand, please. This is rhetorical. But consider the question. How many of you spend energy trying to control your kid's behavior? I'm not even looking at you. I, don't, I, can't, even, I can't even look at you. I ain't looking at you, John. <laughs> John's like, then why'd you say my name? <laughs> oh, you got great kids, dude. I ain't saying that at all. Now I can't get out of this hole I just dug. I had to make eye contact with you, didn't I? <laughs> John said, yeah, you invested that. 
what if, I'm just going to throw it out there. I, I don't even know if this is even possible because I know your kids. But what if that energy that you were spending, you invested it to not control your kids' behavior, but change your kids' behavior? And I get it because you just, the first thing you thought of was easy for you to say, Mr. No Kids at Home. <laughs> have, have, you tried to, have you tried to raise grown kids? <laughs> I, I, think the, I think the Holy Ghost just fell on Lana. I don't, I don't know. I, she was waving a hanky like, bless God, preach that Jeff. She's going she to run here in a minute. Listen, listen, here's what I'm saying to you. And this, this is going to make sense. It's the same energy. It, it's the same time. The difference is the motivation. The difference is the mindset. Am I just going to keep spending energy, barking out orders, telling them what to do, trying to control their behavior, or am I going to recognize the way they're bent? Somebody needs to hear this. Am I going to recognize what they lean into and then play on that and now invest my time and energy into changing their negative behavior by the way they're slanted, the way they're bent, the way they lean into things? Am I going to take that same energy and effort and time instead of no, yes, control. Am I going to change that now and invest in changing the behavior? Does anybody understand what I'm saying? It's just like making a monetary investment because you're hoping the reward is greater. We've been promised in our text there will be a return on the investment. We've, we've been promised and I, I, I want to be clear because I'm, I'm talking about investing and being intentional and all of that. Man, I'm, there's nothing wrong with stuff. There's not wrong. Kim and I were talking when I was sharing this with her. She said, she was, she said and, and there's nothing wrong with like getting away for a few days. I'm like, what? That was, oh, I see what you're, Yeah. One, she was telling me, I need to get out of town. And two, she was saying, even that is an investment. You feeling me? So, so, so I'm not trying to bring restrictions. I'm, bringing, I'm trying to preach freedom in this house. Freedom with the understanding that this ain't mine. This breath ain't mine. This life ain't mine. This chump change I had in my pocket ain't mine. It's God's. And it's for his glory. Amen. 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 What if we, listen, the, the, the stuff that we have, what if God was just trying to get us to understand stewardship and we just replace that line item with something with eternal value? I'm going to suggest you wouldn't miss it. Because when you see yourself as a spiritual investor, it changes you, it changes me, and exponentially changes eternity. Let, 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 me, let me close. I, um, I remember the first time Kim and I went out of the country. We were on a vacation, and we were out of the country. And I, I really don't know why this was a thing for me, because they, they took my American money. But I just thought it was going to be so cool to have some of the money, the currency, of the place we visited. We were in Mexico, and I just thought that would be cool. So I, I did that, and I came home with pesos that are worth nothing here. I'll wait. I went with this. Means something here. But I exchanged it for something else because, I don't know, I just had some of this. So I exchanged it and I got home. Well, hey, that, this is awesome. Can you get me another dish I can put stuff in? Because 
I can't see myself throwing it away, but who knows? I might go back to Mexico. <laughs> now, 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 while you're trying to navigate what I'm talking about, I came home with something that had no value where I was living. They were worth something at the place I was going, but where my home is, it was worthless. One day, one day in heaven, we'll discover that what we spent a lifetime obsessing about, what we spent a lifetime accumulating, what we spent a lifetime buying, what we spent a lifetime arguing about, what we spent a lifetime fretting over, crying over. Do you see what I'm... One day, one day in heaven, it'll become clear to us that everything we've been fussing over, it has no value in the place I'm from. Oh, come on, somebody. No value. Why? Would I keep upsetting my own self and everybody else around me for something at the end of the day ain't going to amount to a hill of beans, as daddy would say. Oh, listen, they were worth something in the place I visited. Listen, I'm not, please hear the heart. I'm getting ready to say this in. My 401k don't roll over in heaven. Please, please hear me. Please hear me. I'm not saying it's unwise. I'm not, no, no. I'm not saying there's no value. Please don't hear me. But it's worth nothing there. So, so, the only reasonable response is to live a life holding nothing back. Because we now have to be held responsible because we know how Jesus will respond. What are we going to do? Let me encourage those of you that are already 10 talent people. You were put in a place in history. You were put in a place in time where there is more opportunity to reach people than ever before. You're here. You're planted in a 10 talent church. It's, uh, that's our mindset. Our mindset is eternity. You're planted in a 10-talent church, but let this wake us up. Jesus said in Luke 12, 48, when someone has been given much. I said, when someone has been given much. Don't raise your hand, but is there any of us that can say we haven't been given Much. When someone has been given much, much will be required in return. And when someone has been entrusted with much, even more will be required. Please hear me. Hear me, please. This is, I'm, I'm, I'm closing. You're saved by the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, period. But your life and your stewardship will echo for all of eternity. What you do right now, not just for you, but the people that will come to know Jesus through your life, the people under your roof, for a moment. Can you just try to imagine what heaven's going to be like? Come on. In the presence of the one who gave it all, no more sin. Can somebody say amen to no more broken hearts? How about no more cancer? Come on, somebody. No more pain. No more tears. Just perfect love in the presence of the creator of the universe. Come on, man. <laughs> and knowing that, knowing what we're going to experience, I think we need to apply that reality to how we live today. If that's our focus. God, I thank you so much for your word. Lord, I ask you, I ask you to speak to us, Lord Jesus, that your presence would be so felt. God, I thank you for giving us more than 
we ever imagined. I, I, I thank you for certainly more than we deserve. You've given it to us. God, help us to steward it correctly, carefully, faithfully, Lord Jesus. And in this moment, help us to be honest with ourselves and with you about where we are right now. Church, still praying. Some of you may be just kind of feeling the weight of this a little more. Maybe, maybe I've just kind of put the exclamation point on the end of what God's already been talking to you about this week. Ain't God awesome? Some of you, you might feel like there's parts of your life that you're really not investing, that you're really just spending it, and maybe you kind of hung on that when, when God said that to us. Maybe you've kind of your focus has been about your existence here, and you're, you're losing sleep over it, and you're fretting over it, and, and I'm not condemning you for it, but maybe there's one of those things that's going on in you, and you're saying, today's the day that by the Spirit of God and what He's speaking into me, I am not going to spend my life that way any longer. You say, Jeff, I'm investing my life into something that's going to matter in heaven. I'm going to invest it in someone else's life. I'm going to invest it in my spouse's life, my children, those I do life with every moment, every day. I am going to be a kingdom investor, not an earthly spender. And everything I do spend, I will spend it with a heavenly mindset. If that's you, just raise your hand. We're going to pray. Just all over the building. Oh, my God, all over this house. Just keep them up. We hold them up for a minute? God, you see this. God, you're doing a work. You're, do, you're changing people's lives. Mm. Father, I'm humbled by the response to your word. So God, I publicly thank you for allowing me to share that. God, thank you that I'm, I'm part of a community of believers that want to be ten talent men and women. God. That they want to live their life with meaning, eternal meaning. And God, whether, whether this was the spiritual light bulb coming on and, and they're, they're totally changing everything, or if they're just recommitting to you what you're already working in them, I pray, Lord Jesus, that give us eyes to see people, stuff, events, life with an eternal mindset. As we continue to pray, we've talked a lot about value. We've We've talked a lot about things that matter and things that don't matter. And in this context, I want to talk to you today that matter. And you matter so much that God gave his best. and He gave his all in his son, Jesus Christ, who though he did no wrong, he bore my sin, past, present, and future, on a bloody cross. And he gave his life. They chucked him in a hole. Three days later, he came up in new life and resurrection power. And he did that because you have value. Because you matter. And if maybe in our time together, what God's brought to your mind is the reason you struggle with understanding and accepting that it's all his and understanding and accepting we'll give an account with what we do with it, it's because he's just not Lord of your life. Your relationship with him is spotty at best or non-existent. Regardless, I'm glad you're here. Online. You're watching this. And you know the relationship you have with Jesus. You matter. 
So watching this in this room, I feel like, Jeff, I feel like I don't mean a lot to people. And I want to change the way I see myself by looking at myself through the lens that Jesus sees me. Today, I come to him in humility, confessing as a sinner and receiving his gift of forgiveness once and for all. Jeff, today, I give him my life and I put him on the throne of my heart. If that's you, just raise your hand. We're going to pray. God bless you, son. I'm proud of you. God bless you. It takes so much courage. Who else? Who would join these two and say, today, today is my restart button, man. Today is my do-over. Today, my attitude changes about who I am and why I'm here. Anyone else? God bless you. Thank you, ma'am. What courage. You at home, three of us here, at our campus have said, yes, I'm coming to Jesus. Yes, I give my life to him. That invitation extends to you. Agree with me, Father, in the name of Jesus, I confess I'm a sinner. I confess I need you. I confess I've missed the mark. I confess that you're right and I'm wrong. And in the name of Jesus, I ask you to forgive me. Lord, I ask, that you would, I ask that you would cleanse me from all the hatefulness and the bitterness and the unrighteousness that's in my life, my negative mindset, my broken heart. Heal me, Lord Jesus. Make me whole. Make me brand new. I say yes to you. Where you lead, I'll follow. Father, when I fall, I know you'll pick me up. But I make you the Lord of my life. Thank you for calling me and inviting me one more time. I say yes to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Church, can you give him praise in this house? Listen, if you made a decision for the Lord today, I don't, I don't need to know the details of your decision. It's, it's, a, it's a personal matter, but it's not private. So I'd love for you to fill out a card so we know how to pray. We know how to celebrate with you. Just fill out one of those cards Miss Heather talked about. Put it in one of the boxes. It'll, Pastor Dwayne and I will get them. If you need to talk to us, if you need a Bible, just let us know. We'll get you one. It'll be a good one. You want your name on it? We'll get your name on it. We love you. We're here for your journey and becoming a totally committed Christ follower. It's been good to be in God's house. Amen. Hey, let me remind you. I feel led, I need to say it. The battle belongs to the Lord. God bless you. Have a great week. I love you.